0: Hello, this is the Lose Your Life Podcast. Welcome, I'm your host, Cone O'Reilly. And I'm tired. Tired because I didn't get a nap today. It is Sunday, it's 10.20pm, it's raining outside. I wish it was raining earlier, it would have been the perfect time to take a nap. I'm sure many of you can agree with me. That when it rains, it's a great time to take a nap. But it's Sunday, that's the main point here. Why is it... That every day after church, I'm always so tired. You know, why is it that I always crave a nap after church? There has to be a science to it. Some, I don't know. I've been thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. Maybe it's just the spirit overwhelming your soul so much that your body starts to get tired. I don't know. If anybody has any say as to why it happens. Maybe they have scientific proof or theories. Please write to me on Spotify. I'd love to hear them because I really want to know. Because, I don't know, there's something about a nap after church that's just like no other. I can't describe it, you know. Sometimes I take naps and I will wake up really just, Oh, man, I feel terrible. Very, very groggy. Uh, My head hurts. You know, I'm sweating. My hair's all messed up. And it just sucks waking up from naps sometimes. But on Sunday, I take a nap, wake up, feel great, feel awesome. It's really weird. I don't know what makes Sunday different than all the other days in the world of naps. But I'd really love to know. (sighs) Something else also. I know that some people that listen to my podcast do not listen from the U.S. and they listen from the U.K. And maybe at the time you're listening to this in the future, that will have changed and they listen to more places. But right now, I know three different countries that it's being listened to right now. I know someone personally that's listening from Brazil, a bunch of people from the U.S. that I'm sure I don't know all of them, and then some from the U.K., And so if you're from the UK, and you're my UK listener, or whichever one, you don't know what I'm talking about, but American listeners, you ever been to Waffle House? Does anybody eat there? I don't think I've ever ate at at a Waffle House before. I really would like to try it, because I've heard a lot of good things, you know, open 24-7. Of course, stereotypically, Waffle Houses are the place where shootings happen. So, I don't know, you win some, you lose some, I guess. I really want to go eat there, try it. I hear they got a lot of good food. It's made. I hear it's quick, service is good, but I also heard the service is bad. I guess that's kind of a hit or miss with that. But, all jokes aside, we're not here to talk about Waffle House. We're not here to talk about Naps After Church. We're here to talk about Christ and His Word. So we better get started. I don't have a name for this episode, and I think that's smart. I better start um, going through my episodes without names, because I think for the past two or three, yeah, three if we don't count the Valentine's Day one, I don't think that I followed the name that I said I would with those podcasts. And I think on all three of them, I came on here, said what name I was going to use, and then... Didn't use it. So, what's the name of today's episode? I don't know. I'll figure it out after the recording's done because most likely I'll have something in mind. The spirit will start talking and then I want to change my mind. So, I'm not going to tell you what the name is because I don't know personally. I didn't think that far for a reason. But today was Sunday. And before I got super tired, I was at Sunday school in the morning. We have a Sunday school book, that uh, a study we go through, and this passage that was pulled out of it. Now, I better quote it for anything. It's the David Cook Comprehensive Bible Study from December 2022 to February 2023. Okay, so no one get mad when I take credit for this. I'd like to read it here on the podcast. So, it's called Results of the Call. David Covington is a master carpenter, but he's more than that. I keep telling him that he's an artist, something he vehemently vehemently denies, but that I see in every aspect of his work. What he builds goes beyond just being practical and solid. It's also well-contrived and aesthetically pleasing. Take the beautiful, multi-windowed sunset room addition he is building onto our house, for instance. He dug the foundation himself with a pickaxe and shovel. He laid the blocks himself, too making sure the cornerstone is level, sturdy, and secure. David notes that the foundation is the hardest and least enjoyable part of the process, but also the most necessary. Once that's done, he says the carpentry work is fun. My wife, Jill, began building an an analogy comparing the addition to how we live our lives. Reflecting on what David had said, she pointed out the difficult necessity of the foundation pickaxing and shoveling away whatever doesn't fit with our new life in christ and then carefully preparing the foundation everything depends on that cornerstone our life depends on it placing the blocks block by block making sure it's all perfectly level for if it's skewed at this point then the floor will be uneven and prone to make us fall if it's contorted at this point then the rest of the structure will be crooked and unstable then she pondered so what are we building our lives on? That one hit me, <laughs> um, especially it kind of made me think about uh, new Christianity. You know, we can look back on a time when we first became Christians, at least I can. And, you know, I think you're starting to put things together and you're like, okay, well, I'm a sinner. I need to get this out of my life, this out of my life, and this out of my life. Get the small things out of your life right, or the, or sorry, the big things out of your life, and reference the last episode, getting the camels out of your life, the big things, the easily noticeable things, if you're at the bar drinking all the time, okay, you stop doing that, if you're uh, struggling with lust, okay, you're fighting against that, the big things, right, the things that you notice in everyday, in your everyday life that you know inherently that is wrong, and your conscience isn't not, uh, died to, And so you start to get those out of the way when you first become a Christian. And then you continue on in your relationship with Christ and things seem to get easier. They seem to get better. But the more you read the word, the more you grow with Christ, you realize getting rid of my lust, getting rid of drinking, getting rid of sex. It's not all I have to do. There's more. There's more that has to be done. There's more things in my life that I must get out. Maybe it's the things the hobby you're pursuing or the people you're with. It could be anything at all. And you know, in the story it talked about how the carpenter said, you know, pickaxing, pickaxing and shoveling isn't fun. And I'm not a veteran Christian. A veteran is someone who has served but is now retired. And as long as I live I will not be a veteran. So I'm not a veteran. I can't speak from a lot of experience, but I can speak from a lot of experience, that we have to continuously take things out of where the foundation needs to be built. We need a pickaxe, we need a shovel, and we just need to continuously give our lives to Christ, continuously serve Him, continuously say, this shouldn't be there, this shouldn't be there, this shouldn't be there. And you have to make the choice yourself. No one else can make it for you, and I'm sure, you know, I've said that a bunch on here. You have to say that this cannot be in my life. This, though I may not think so, though I may not know it at the time, you have to pray on it. That may be uh, affecting your relationship with God. That may be something that is bad for you. You know, you, you go and do it, and you say, well, it's all right, and then you, you're done doing it, and you say, wow, I, I just sinned but I, can, I think I can do it without sinning next time. And you go, you do it, you sin. You say, I'm sorry, Lord, but I think I can do it without sinning next time. And this is a continuous process over days, weeks, months, years. Hopefully not. Hopefully you take the initiative through Christ's power, by His will, to say, okay, I need to stop trying to make things better by diving into sin and going into the darkness, and I need to make things better by stepping into the light of Christ. And there's a saying that going or converting, I should say, to Christianity from whatever you were ag- agnostic, uh, false Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, Jew, whatever you were when you convert, when you decide to follow Christ. It's not a step in the dark or a a leap into the dark, I guess the saying goes. It's a step into the light. It truly is. And we have to continuously try to follow the light, continuously try to do what the Word says, which is why it is so important to read your Bibles every single day. I'm sure maybe people I'm around don't, Uh, see it, this as the necessary reason, but when I don't read my Bible, you know, first thing in the morning or later in the morning, right? If I don't read my Bible between 3 p... or I'd say 1, 2 p.m., I think the people around me can start to notice a difference in how I'm acting. I'm not nourishing my soul, you know? I'm not feeding my soul, so I get hangry. I start to get angry at things because i just haven't been nourished from the word yet and of course i need to read it continuously throughout the day but if i don't start my day with a meal i start to get a little upset you know what i'm saying when that when i say meal i mean the word which is why it's important to me to read my bible in the morning of course it might not be the same for you But I'm sure, absolutely sure, that if you take the initiative to read your Bible every single day for a week, you will see a great difference in your relationship with Christ and how it is for that week compared to when you decided to read your Bible every other day. And if you read your Bible every other day, say Monday, you read it, Tuesday, you don't, Wednesday, you do, Thursday, you don't, Friday, you do. There's 180 days out of the year you're not reading your Bible. That's insane. That's insane. My goodness. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I could, I could, but I try not to. I try to read every day. And if you say you don't have time, it's not true. You have time to eat breakfast, don't you? Skip breakfast. Feed your soul. Anyways, <laughs> back to the foundation and removing... The dirt, the clay, the rock, whatever it is that's keeping you from building a sound foundation in Christ. Back to that. Jesus talks about foundations in a couple points of the Bible. What I'm going to be looking at now is Luke chapter 6 verse 46 and so on. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house, who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that the house could not shake it, it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Now, you can decide, when you're building your foundation, you can decide to make it 100% Christ, and nothing else. And your house, figuratively, will be built on... A firm foundation will never be shaken, right? Right? When the storms come, you know you might hear them. You might see them. But your house will stay strong and steady. Or you can choose to build some of your foundation with Christ and a little bit of the world. And what happens is when you start to build your house on on that foundation, foundation being some Christ, some of the world, you'll start to see when the storm comes, your house will break a little bit. And so then you'll have to pay to fix your house. And then the storm will come and it'll break a little bit. And you have to pay to fix your house. And what I'm trying to represent here is when your house breaks, of course that's going to be something in your life that just depression, anxiety, backsliding, temptation, whatever it is. I can't say it for you. But if you don't build your house if you don't build upon the perfect perfect uh, foundation of Christ, you're going to face problems. And, of course, we're going to face trials when we have the 100% foundation of Christ, but the thing is, is we'll always have a home to stay in, you know? Whereas, someone who doesn't 100% build their foundation off of Christ, they can't say the same. They can't say, I have a home to stay in, because when their when their windows blow out, there's grass all over the ground or glass all over the ground. Sorry, and they can't step anywhere because they might get cut. And the is coming in and it's getting on their nice hard wood. In in my father, he would shake if 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 he knew that there was water on his hardwood floors. I'm sure he's losing sleep right now over the thought. And you don't have a home to stay in until the storm stops. And then the storm stops and you try to rebuild. And then another storm comes, knocks your house down. You know, Jesus says it here in verse 49, right? The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and it's just destruction was complete. There's going to be a time where you no longer can rebuild you have to choose now. If if you're building your life right now on a foundation that's some Christ, a lot of the world, or a lot of Christ and some of the world, you need to decide right now, while the waters are still still, to tear your house down, to chip away all of your foundation and replace it with 100% Christ. To build a sound... Insecure house, and of course, there's an analogy here on the foundation of Christ, and that is how you overcome trials and quote unquote problems, right? And I don't want to, I don't like saying that without context because it makes me feel like I'm preaching a prosperity gospel. Because don't get me wrong at all, Christianity isn't sipping fine drinks on a beach in the sun and warm sands of California. It's nothing like that at all. It is not paradise. Right? Not, not a, well, how do I explain it? In Christianity, you have an overwhelming joy filled with your soul. But there are trials. There are tribulations that come with your faith. You are constantly being attacked by people who don't believe it, you're 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 told that you indoctrinate people, you get ridiculed for sharing your faith, and among many other things of which I can't name because I haven't experienced them yet. Those are kind of the type of problems that you'll face because of your faith. Sometimes you'll experience falling out with relationships, and yeah, it's hard. And it sucks. It it does. I mean, there's no getting around that but it's nothing compared to what comes afterwards. I would rather live my life with Christ, have no friends, no family, be the most unlucky guy in the world, that if I tried to cut down a tree with a chainsaw, my chainsaw stops running as I'm halfway into the tree. Some of you might know the pain. It happened to me and my dad today. (laughs) So we had to go back to our house and get some tools to get the chainsaw out of the tree. And, I'd rather be the most unlucky guy in the world and have eternal life with Christ after I die than live a hundred years on this world in complete pleasure. Getting high and drunk and having the, as much sex as I want. You know, whatever the common man says his pleasures are. Has, have all the money in the world. You know, I, I, I would... And, and, and if I did those things... And I lost my soul. I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want all the riches of the world and to lose my soul. And go and suffer in the fires of hell compared to living the most unlucky life ever. No family, no friends, no money. Whatever it is. As long as I can be with Christ in the end of my life. For eternity. See, that is the foundation that I wish to build upon. I hope it's the foundation you wish to build upon. Because 60 years, about the average lifespan, let me tell you, 60 years of pleasure is not worth an eternity of pain. And throwing out the word of eternity is dangerous when speaking to people who are lost. Because eternity is just a word. It's not a number. To put it into perspective, sorry... Let me give you a ballpark number. However old you are right now, maybe you're 20. I want you to imagine every moment you can think of in your life right now, every day you've woke up. Think about all the time that has passed in your life, 20 years worth of lifetime you have lived. Now, imagine you lived five of that. So you lived 100 years, five times what you've already lived. That's more than double what you've already lived right now. Think about how much time that is. 100 years. Now, if you spent 100 years in hell, you would be no second closer to the end of hell at the moment you turn 100 in there, or you spend your 100th year in there, than the second that you got there. At the end of 100 years, you will be no closer to being done with hell than when you got there. Let that sink in. Eternity is a long time. Very, very long time. So make the choice. Make the choice to follow Christ. That's scary. Now, of course, a lot of people, trust me, I'm one of these people, don't like just one Bible verse. They like many. So I got another one. I think we mentioned it. Sorry, I keep referring to this podcast as "we." My dad alerted me to it um, about it uh, the other day about how uh, I keep saying "we" and "our" when referring to the podcast. Force a habit, you know. <laughs> it's what I used to say a whole lot. So I have prepared for you another verse, In Matthew 16. We, I, I talked about it the uh, one of the other podcasts. Uh, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? This here, you know, I believe with the analogy that we've already been given about chiseling away at the dirt and the stone, pickaxing and shoveling away what will make your foundation not good, right? Keeping that sin in your life. With that analogy already, we look at this verse with a new set of eyes, saying Jesus is saying, pickaxe and shovel those things out. Stop saying you want that. Stop choosing that over me. Follow me, he says. Take up your cross and follow me. And I'm sure you guys have heard the story when Jesus had to carry his cross It's a heavy burden. He was beaten to the point of unrecognition. He had to carry a cross through the city of Jerusalem so much so that somebody had to help him carry it because he could not carry it by himself. And he calls you to carry A cross. Heavy. Heavy piece of wood. Right? It's not going to be easy. He doesn't say you're going to fly on a plane with a cross and manage it. He says you got to carry your cross. And follow me. And there will be a point where you do rest. You're going to carry your cross for, who knows, 100 years, 120 years. Some people might live. At the end of that, they can rest and be in eternal peace and joy with Jesus Christ in heaven. I like to imagine that in heaven, we know that there's going to be feasts in heaven. It talks about it in the Word, and I wish I had somebody to pull that up for me. I don't have the exact verse right now, but I imagine I'm going to have a huge turkey leg on my plate. Mashed potatoes, gravy, the whole works. I imagine that it's going to be like that, and and I will be gathered around by, who knows, Abraham Lincoln might be one, I don't know, Martin Luther King Jr., my father, my mother, anyone and everyone who is a believer in Christ, I imagine will be around me, sitting by me in my table, and I'll be enjoying my food, enjoying the company, and most importantly, I'll be enjoying the presence of Christ. Heaven isn't, just as much as I make it sound like, Heaven isn't just a place where you just sit there be still and joyful. We'll we'll have jobs. We'll have houses. There'll be feasts. It'll be amazing. It'll be heaven. It'll be awesome. So please make the choice, brothers and sisters. Make a choice to clean up your foundation or clean up the area in which it's going to be built, and build 100% your foundation with Christ. So you may build up a house that is sturdy and stable and ready to withstand all the storms that life can bring you. And also, on your front door, install a very, very good lock because there's this one guy, and this this is also just an analogy. Please don't take this literally, but... Take it literally in another way. There's this one guy who really likes to break in and try to mess stuff up. (sighs) Satan, that's it. If you didn't know already who I was talking about, it's Satan. Get a lock on your front door. Get a good foundation, a good lock, pay the extra money, right? It's not going to seem worth it at the time, but trust me, it is. Get a good lock. It's worth it 100%. Okay. Now, to close, I want to say again, if you have scientific studies or theories or comments on how I get so tired after church, please, please, please write to me on Spotify. When you listen to this episode, there should be something where you can type in into Spotify. I'm not sure. I'm not so well-versed in it. I just know it's there. Type and tell me, please. Please, I want to know so bad. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, anything at all about the podcast, please write to me there. It is all completely private. People cannot see what you write. Only I can see what you write. If you have ideas on the what you want to hear, please write them in to me. And if you have something at Waffle House, you think I should try Please write that in to me as well. Um, And prayer concerns. I'd love to pray for anybody who's in need. So, brothers and sisters, read your Bible every day. Trust in Christ. Build your foundation up. And lose your life for Christ. Thank you guys for listening to the Lose Your Life podcast.